period and I feel so not lucky at all just like it's I feel like the whole world is crashing down upon me and I'm bleeding all over myself well I'm not bleeding out myself I am technically bleeding out myself because I use baby blood diapers a lot of people don't know what that means uh, it means that I take baby bibs that I stole from someone else's mail that they left and I, I put them inside my underwear and I fold them up and I bleed on them and then I wash them. Kind of like, remember the old washable diapers? Same thing, except it's a baby bib blood diaper. Oh my. Tuned in. The Ultacast here on Mutiny Radio. Late night playlist was playing in old Pamtastics when I used to be able to drink in here. Maybe it's better that I can't drink anymore here at the station because I don't I don't do comedy well when I am drunk. I just was listening to that and I'm like, I am not funny when I am super wasted. All right, hey, welcome to the AltaCast. This has been an interesting week for me, considering becoming a vegetarian again. Oh my god. I can't eat meat right now. I just can't. Just especially chicken. It's like smells so weird. Uh, And realizing how much alcohol I consume is was really interesting this week because of this project that I'm a part of. Um, And I had to recall all the foods that I've been eating and drinking. And wow. I consume a lot of alcohol. I specifically did yesterday because it was 4th of July. Happy America Day, everyone. <sighs> There's a Roman rhymer sigh for ya. Um, wow, yeah. I had a really good time. Um, a good friend, Clay Newman, comedian, actor, funny guy, uh, had a party at his house. And I felt like a comedy cool kid like I felt like I was at the cool kids party so it was cool really good food I mean I pretty much ate the entire spinach artichoke bread bowl dip action clay put spinach in a bread bowl so good the little crunchy little crunchies you know the little um, yeah, anyways, I had a good time yesterday. I'm a little, I'm a little slow today because of the excessive alcohol consumption. Just, you know, beer after beer after beer. We started at like, oh, I don't know, four. And we ended, well, this was fun. We ended up, Jonathan, when we got back to the house in the mission, we went up on the roof and watched the fireworks and they were going on for a long time in the mission. Wow, people were really setting them off, like, and it was almost midnight, and they're big, huge, like, in-the-sky ones, you know, but in the neighborhood, which was just neat, I guess, neat. Anyways, happy American Day. So, the news. Uh, we'll just get right to it here with Drug Policy Alliance this week. Uh it's super sad. The GOP healthcare bill will do millions of people struggling with addiction. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Um, you're only as sick as your secrets, we say. People in recovery from struggles with addiction know this line by heart. To be open and honest, this is uh, written by Bethany Perryman, by the way, on the Drug Policy Alliance blog. 
Uh, to be open and honest about my years of problematic substance use and my four years of recovery is key to keeping me alive. This morning, weeks after... Uh, after weeks of backroom drafting and repeated calls for information, sometimes from their own party, the Senate released the text of their health care bill, an amended version of the Affordable Health Care Act passed recently in the House. This concerning lack of transparency until the 11th hour cuts off at the knees the ability for congressional colleagues to be and the public to hold hearings and invite public discourse surrounding the implications of the now-released text and this long-awaited bill. Now that the bill's language is public, Senate Republicans want to force a quick vote with no hearings or chance of amendments. The bill rolls back provisions in the Affordable Care Act that guarantee treatment coverage for millions of people, including those who have a history of struggling with addiction and other pre-existing conditions. Uh, the Drug Policy Alliance tweeted, "Healthcare bill will take drug treatment away from millions. S demand your senators oppose the American Healthcare Act. Uh, and that was sent out. You can, there's a little bitly. The Medicaid expansion would become a ghost, slashing critical funds to states for coordinated care and treatment access. States like West Virginia, with the highest per capita overdose rate in the nation, would have to shoulder these costs on their own. Every senator knows that's function, functionally impossible. Uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery and have seen what happens when sick people don't get medical treatment. Recently, I was advocating for a young woman I know from college who's struggling with addiction. I took her to detox, sat, her, sat with her in the hospital, both of us fearing for her life. The scramble to sign her up for Medicaid almost forced her release before she had access to residential treatment. She couldn't afford private insurance, uh, but was eligible for life-saving coverage under the Medicaid expansion in her state. Expanded coverage access means expanded treatment, which means fewer people die. The opioid crisis is real and fatal or far too many uh, and fatal for far too many from all walks of life. If treatment options are suspended for the most vulnerable, substance abusers, substance users won't go away. In fact, their chance of developing expense, expensive and potentially deadly medical conditions will increase. The insulting last minute insertion of piecemeal funding for the opioid epidemic is merely lip service and a poor substitute for sustained treatment and access to care. A recent study out of Ohio State University proves that almost no one in Ohio who is currently covered by the Medicaid expansion would have any options for health care coverage following the repeal of the ACA. The overdose rate in Ohio jumped 36% last year. The opioid epidemic is killing our loved ones and is taking its tolls on communities. Another recent study found that there has been a 70% increase in Medicaid-covered prescriptions for buprenorphine, a medication critical to opioid treatment and recovery. In states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, Virginia that expanded Medicaid, medications like buprenorphine and methadone are presently one of our best weapons in the fight against opioid overdose. Should the Republican health care bill become law, those who presently rely on Medicaid risk losing affordable and reliable treatment options. For many, this could mean relapse or fatal overdose. 
As a former substance user, I can tell you, having access to treatment saved my life. I have seen the Medicaid expansion save life firsthand. Our lawmakers are only as sick as their secrets, too. As, as such, the GOP health care bill should be DOA. Instead, my people, the millions of us who struggle with addiction, could be the ones to die. Bethany Perryman is an administrative associate for the Drug Policy Alliance. She is a person in long-term recovery from addiction. Well, there we go. Wow, you know what's funny? It is hard to read when you are... I drank so much yesterday that I, I done drank myself retarded. I can't... Like, I, I'm usually I read... You guys listen, you know. Usually I can read things. But it was hard. It's really hard to read things right now because I drank for so many consistent hours last week. Uh, last night. All right. Uh... We've got a couple different things. New data on jail population decline under bail reform. Bail reform shows New Jersey's leadership on pretrial justice. Major criminal justice reform groups announce opposition to bill on sentencing and synthetic drugs. Let's say that one. Yeah, here we go. All right. Oh, I read this one last time. Sorry. You guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is on her way. She'll get me back on track. Uh, here is the latest news. A McConnell floats more opioid funding in health care bill. Advocates concerned, uh, advocates concerned senators will be lured by broken promise. Opioid funding will mitigate harm of Medicaid expense expansion rollback. Drug Policy Alliance releases new video attacking Senate health care bill. We're going to listen to that in a second. Reports indicate that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has agreed to add $45 billion in new opioid funding to the Senate Republican health care bill. Republican senators, most notably Senator Shelley Moore, Capito uh, for West Virginia, and Senator Rob Portman from Ohio have pushed for the inclusion of opioid funding in the Senate health care bill to mitigate concerns that the proposed rollback of Medicaid expansion would worsen the opioid crisis in their respective states. McConnell had previously offered $2 billion in new opioid funding in the initial <laughs> discussed, uh, discussion draft of the health care bill released last week, which was like a pittance. Advocates are deeply concerned that McConnell's negotiation on new opioid funding could convince Senate Republicans to drop reservations about the Medicaid rollback. Advocates say that opioid funding cannot make up for the far-reaching benefits that coverage for health care, evidence-based treatment, and mental health delivers to people impacted by the opioid crisis. Senators should reject the notion that opioid funding in any amount can make up for preserving the delivery of reliable and affordable health care and opioid-related care to millions of people impacted by the opioid crisis, says Grant Smith, Deputy Director of National Affairs with Drug Policy Alliance. Senators should not be hoodwinked into thinking promises of new opioid funding will mitigate severe harm that the health care bill will bring to communities hard hit by the opioid crisis, said Smith. The Senate Republican health care bill, as drafted, pursues a dramatic rollback of the Medicaid expansion created by the Affordable Care Act that has extended access to treatment and mental health services to millions of people. Senate Republican leadership continues to pursue a vote on health care and legislation even 
uh, as a recent reporting by the New York Times, Washington Post, and Associated Press has underscored the growing urgency of the opioid crisis and the need for greater access to what continues to be scarce and underfunded treatment and other addiction recovery resources. There is considerable overlap between states that expanded Medicaid through the Affordable Care Act and states that have been hit hard by the opioid crisis, including Ohio and West Virginia. Republican senators from these and other states have publicly raised concerns about rolling back Medicaid expansion. Advocates have repeatedly warned that rollbacks of the Medicaid expansion would strip access to opioid treatment and mental health services for millions of people vulnerable to opioid relapse and overdose. McConnell has said he still plans to push for a floor vote despite these and other concerns. Today, the Drug Policy Alliance released a new video that attacks the Senate health care bill as a threat to health care coverage for millions of people who struggle with addiction and efforts to end the opioid crisis. This video urges viewers to call senators and demand they oppose the health care bill pending in the Senate. Well, we're going to listen to it. Uh, hey, you know what else that ro- Medicaid rollback affects? Uh, treatment to my girly parts, to everyone's safety and health. So it's not just opioid crisis, but, you know, this Medicaid rollback would mean like that women aren't people. Uh, but here is this video. Thank you, Drug Policy Alliance. We're going to listen to this all right now. Hold on, I'll get this going for us. Here we go. Thank you for your patience. Mitch McConnell has promised Donald Trump that the Senate will vote on its broken health care bill. That means three out of ten people who are addicted to opioids stand to lose Medicaid coverage. For people struggling with addiction, access to health care is paramount. Without it, their risk of relapse and overdose substantially increases. If the Senate bill passes, 22 million people will be robbed of their health insurance. That's enough people to fill the states of Wyoming, Vermont, Alaska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Delaware, Montana, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, Idaho, West Virginia, Nebraska, and New Mexico combined. The Senate's looming vote on this shameful legislation threatens to eliminate vital coverage, cutting life-saving access to health care and overdose prevention for people most at risk. This bill will hurt you or someone you love. Call your senators today and demand that they oppose the Senate health care bill. To contact your senator, call 202-224-3121 or visit www.drugpolicy.org. Yay, drug policy. Uh, I'm going to put that video. I'll attach it to everything if you want to watch it or spread it around to people because it's important that we oppose this terrible health care bill. <laughs> That's really going to affect... I mean, I'm a poor person, so it's going to affect me. So I'm like... Uh, it... Uh, anyway. Don't be, don't be scared. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually very scared. Uh, of everything at this point. They're after us. They want to take away... The, I really don't understand why... They want to take away access to reproductive 
healthcare. Women have a uterus and it does all kinds of things. Sometimes it gets sticky and itchy and you don't know why. And now, if you defund Planned Parenthood, you know, then uh, now, now we don't have access to good, clean, girly parts. Thanks. Or, you know, cancer screenings or, you know, because women aren't people. So mad. I'm so angry. But what do you do? I mean, honestly, I guess call your senator uh, and say no. But we're in California, so will it really affect us? And especially in San Francisco, in this lovely sanctuary city that we have, um, where you know, I I mean, I have I have some healthcare issues. I have to go in um, and get my kidney checked out, and I know what they're going to tell me. Like you drink too much, <laughs> Duh. it all comes back to the demon alcohol, uh, or in some cases, uh, opioid addiction. Not me though. I don't like opioids. I'm so lucky. Um, I'm sure I've told everybody the story a billion times about the fentanyl, and I took it one weekend as a transdermal patch and just a little, just a little 25 milligrams, you know, transdermal fentanyl. And I hated it. It was awful. I couldn't do anything. I was laying around. I vomited like crazy. I was on it for hours and hours. And it was like the whole weekend. And then even when I took it off, it was still in my system forever. It was not fun. And it's just one of those things where I didn't like it. But some people love heroin or opiates or fentanyl or whatever. Oxy, Roxy's, whatever, right? Um... I'm just really lucky that I don't like that drug at all. So there we go. <laughs> lucky me, right? Uh, but I do, you know, I do want to make sure that, that we're keeping uh, access to marijuana legal because, oh boy, uh, how much has my life improved since I've been able to medicate with cannabis on the daily? I love it. All right, uh, let's get out of drug policy news, and we'll go over to the Narwhal news. Narwhal, Protoss America. So yeah, you can go to Drug Policy Alliance, and you can press their donate button. You can watch their videos. You can care about drug policy reform, because it really affects us. Uh, and same thing, Narwhal, Protoss America. Go to their website, press the donate button. Hey, and while you're at it, go to mutinyradio.fm and press that donate button right there on the side. Give us a couple bucks. You like podcasts? Give give us money, please. As I'm working off a broken swing arm and gotta buy things. Oh, you know what's coming up? I'm actually really excited. Uh, the Noise Pop Lock Party is going to be coming up here in August. Exciting stuff happening. And then... In September, we're actually part of Comedy Day, which is going to be amazing. Uh, all right. News from Narl. I Oh, here we go. Narl. Uh, Narl hosts member town hall to fight for health care. Uh, this is... Senate Republicans finally released their health care repeal plan, and it's beyond cruel. It's the most savage attack on women's health in a generation. This bill defunds Planned Parenthood, effectively bans coverage of abortion in insurance plans, slashes Medicaid, and gives massive tax cuts to the rich. Uh, on June 26th, 
They hosted an urgent teletown hall with members from their movement on what's at stake to mobilize the GOP's plan. Ooh. Let's listen to this. We'll listen to some of it. Heck yeah, since because I'm since I'm having trouble talking today anyways. And since Latoya, the sheriff of truth, is on her way. And I'm hoping for some calls in today from some some lovely ladies. Uh, Cheryl White and Katrina Davis, if you're out there, call in. Help me because I am I am I am the fourth of July has slowed me. It is I am learning all about what it's like to be an old lady. I was probably the oldest person at the party, which is like I mean, I guess it's okay now, but what happens when I'm actually really old? Am I going to be cool? Oh, man. I'm so worried. Okay. Teletown Hall. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Ann Bailey. I'm the field director at NARAL Pro-Choice America. We're really glad to have you on the phone and appreciate all your activism. Um, NARAL members, just like yourselves, have already made thousands of calls to your members of Congress about health care. And today we just learned that 22 million people will lose their insurance under the new Republican plan, um, and we know that we can't let that happen. So we pulled together a packed call tonight. We're going to move through this quickly. Joining us, we have Senator Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire, Senator Catherine Cortez-Masto from Nevada, and Senator Patty Murray from Washington State, and, of course, NARAL's President Elise Hogue. Um, We'll be taking questions at the end of the call, so if at any time you'd like to ask a question um, and put it in the queue, press star 3. And if you'd like to make a donation at any time during the call to NARAL Pro-Choice America, press star 6. And with no further delay, I'd like to turn it over to Elise Hogue, the president of NARAL Pro-Choice America. Thank you so much, Anne, and thank you to all of our NARAL members around the country who are joining us tonight. I know you could be watching The Bachelorette right now, and we're thrilled that you're not, and you're actually on this call to learn a little bit more about the Senate health care debacle and what we can do as NARAL members to help stop it and not only maintain the health care we have for Americans, but expand it. Um, we are super lucky to have such an incredible complement of our women senators on the call, and it shouldn't be lost on anyone that while this bill was drafted by 13 men in secret with no discussion and no transparency, fighting on the front lines to make sure that Ameri- Americans are well served by the health care that, that we offer um, are the women of the Senate, and we are so pleased to be working with them today and every day. Um, just before we hear from them, I just want you guys to understand your own power. We have thousands of member, NARAL members um, joining us tonight from all 50 states, and um, you all have been mobilizing since day one of the Trump administration. Many of you were at the Women's March in D.C. or in your home states. Um, that display of unity, of solidarity, of making sure that this president and this um, Republican majority in Congress understands that women are not backing down. Women are not going home. Women, in fact, are going to continue to be on the front lines of the resistance. Uh, set the tone 
for what came next. And throughout every single fight for our democracy, be it the Supreme Court or the health care bill, NARAL members have been leading the pack. You guys have literally made thousands of calls. You've done hundreds of personal visits to um, your in-state congresspeople and senators, and you've flooded town halls. And we're going to call on you again. Um, we're going to arm you and equip you. You guys have stepped up. Some of you have identified yourself as volunteer leaders. We're training recess captains for August. We're going to be doing communications training, field training, making sure all of you know how to get as many of your community members out in force to block this health care bill and demand that we have honest, genuine health care that serves women and families in this country and not what amounts to a tax benefit for Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell's wealthy friends. So without further ado, we'll have opportunities for question and answer later. But um, I did want to introduce one of our most favorite new senators. Um, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto is one of the Senate's true rising stars. We're so pleased that our 27,000 members in Nevada who pulled out all the stops to help send her to the Senate and have continued to support her work and hold Senator Heller available, uh, accountable for his actions in state. Um, you, you may remember the pictures of Senator Cortez Masto surrounded by a sea of purple, both on the campaign trail and since then. And it's just such an honor that she's chosen to join us tonight and address you all directly with her impressions of this bill. The senator from the great state of Nevada, Catherine Cortez Masto. Oh, thank you so much. And let me just say thank you to everyone who's listening, and thank you to Nayi Rao, uh, just not, not just for helping me uh, in the campaign and get here where I can continue to fight for everything we care about, but also uh, you've made a difference uh, in my state. I don't know if you, guys, if you were paying attention, but for all of you who are out there, including from Nevada, if you were pinging me and pinging Dean Heller, uh, if you saw the press conference on Friday, uh, Senator Heller came out in opposition uh, to the uh, Senate health care bill, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, the bill reads like a laundry list of bad ideas. Um, uh, I don't have to tell all of you. Talks about in uh, of um, uh, impact to millions of Americans across the country, it has huge reductions in the health care options for women and children, dramatic cuts to, to Medicaid, to pay for tax cuts to the wealthiest, uh, and allows insurance companies to charge older Americans up to five times more for their health insurance, let alone um, not addressing what I have heard, I can't tell you over and over again from my Nevada constituents about protecting their right to health care if you have a pre-existing condition. Um, and we've seen today, the CBO score confirms this. Uh, again, 22 million Americans will lose their health insurance over the next decade. It is unbelievable to me and unconscionable to me that we have people actually uh, here in the United States Senate that think, think this bill is okay, that think what they are doing uh, is uh, okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't say it better than, than Governor Sandoval at his press conference when he said, listen, we have families that are worth fighting for. 
We have families that we have given access to affordable health care for the first time in the state of Nevada. We expanded Medicaid. We fought to ensure that more people have insurance now than ever before. Uh, at one point in time, Nevada had one of the highest insurance rates, 23%. We're down to 11 to 12% uninsured. That includes children. At one time, 18% of our children were uninsured. Now we're down to 8%. Over 210,000 people in Nevada have access to affordable health care. And that is true across the country now. So why, why would we want to take that away from them? To me, the Affordable Care Act is that foundation. It sets the base on what we should be doing in this country about fighting for health care for everyone, affordable health care. It doesn't start with taking it away. And for me, that's what this fight is about. Um, I, I know we've got some incredible speakers, um, including two of my colleagues who are on tonight. But I just want to say uh, one final thing. Amongst everything that I've talked about, from the families that I hear from, from and I've talked about them, from a young five-year-old uh, girl who has a paralysis of the stomach and her parents are concerned that um, without the Affordable Care Act, she will not be able to afford health care in the future because she has that pre-existing condition. Nobody should have to live without the thought that they can afford health care for their children and take care of their children. Nobody should die in this country because you can't afford health care and nobody should go bankrupt. This, to me, is the tragedy of what I'm seeing here uh, in the United States Senate. And then one final thing. Um, women of color are going to be affected by this bill. For instance, I know that there are 17 million Latinas that have coverage for free preventative services. And between 2012 and 2014, the uninsured rate among Latinas fell by 9% and will only continue to grow under the ACA. We don't talk about how fortunate we are because of the ACA that many people have access to preventive health care. And if we just put that money and keep the money there, we are saving money in the long term in health care costs. And to take it away and strip it away from people makes no sense to me. So that's what this fight is about, not just for me, but for the many people in Nevada and across this country. I know you all are there. I cannot thank you enough for being right by our side. Uh, we can't do it without you. And thank you for being the voices, not just of the many people in Nevada, but the many people across this country who so appreciate uh, your outreach and support. So thank you again, and I was so glad that I was able to join you tonight. Thank you so much, Senator Cortez Masto. Um, Nevada is leading the way in so many different ways, and we're so glad to have you as a partner and a leader and a bright light. Um, I do want to turn things over to one of our other incredible bright lights and leaders, a brand-new senator, but she comes off a great, great um, tenure as governor of New Hampshire, um, Senator Maggie Hassan is someone I got to know well on the campaign trail. I have been in awe of her leadership since I first met her, and it only grows and grows by the day. Her passion with which she speaks about health care comes from a very personal place, and she brings, you know, I, I said earlier today um, on Twitter, and I think this sort of is a perfect introduction for Senator Hassan, that um, a staggering number of children in this country depend on Medicaid, which is exactly what is being cut in this bill. That makes this not a bill. It's a referendum on our moral fiber as a nation. And I can think of no greater example than what we should be in terms of our morality than in, as a nation than Senator Maggie Hassan. So please welcome her to the call from the great state of New Hampshire. Well, Elise, um, 
Maggie Hassan here, and thank you so much for that incredibly kind and generous introduction. Uh, thanks to everybody on the call, and thanks to my wonderful colleague, Catherine Cortez Masto. I just heard uh, the end of her remarks as I got on the call, and boy, am I privileged to serve with her and so many other just terrific members of our Democratic Caucus uh, coming together every day uh, to fight for the people we represent and for the future of our country and the values that our country represents. So I'm really, really grateful, Elise, not only for the introduction, but also for everything you do and everything that people on this call do. I thank you all for being on the call today um, and for your critical work. Um, NARAL has done critical work at the grassroots level to defend a woman's constitutionally protected right to safe and legal abortion. I thank you for organizing women across the country and pushing for change. I know that you've all been speaking out strongly against Trump care. With the Senate expected to vote on this dangerous bill this week, it's clear that we need you all to keep up these efforts. And one of the things that I would um, just remind you all of is that as you read news reports about one senator saying this and another senator saying that, um, I never underestimate the power of the other team to unify around something new at the 11th hour. So it's really important that people keep up the pressure here because clearly the activism at the grassroots level uh, has made a huge difference. And I heard Catherine talking about um, Senator Heller and Governor Sandoval. Um, you know, governors around the country in both parties came together and implemented Medicaid expansion in their states, both Republicans and Democrats. It's something I did as governor of New Hampshire with a Republican legislature. It's something Governor Sandoval did in Nevada. And the fact that we have members of both parties speaking up for the value of coverage and the value of health care is really critically important, but they wouldn't be doing it if it weren't for the activism of everybody on this phone call um, and many others too. Here's what we know. Um, Trump care really is another indicator that the Trump administration and Republicans in Congress are focused on an agenda that rolls back and restricts women's access to critical health services. So while the overall conversation here has been about many of the different aspects in which we can all say Trump care is terrible, it is truly terrible in what it would do to women's health. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans managed to take the dangerous House-passed Trump care bill and make it even worse for women in my state of New Hampshire and across America. And it's really unacceptable and still just kind of jaw-dropping that 13 men in the United States Senate developed this bill behind closed doors without participation of any of the 21 women in the United States Senate. And the final product that they presented to us reflects that. Trump Care defunds Planned Parenthood, which would take away a critical source of care for women, care including birth control and breast and cervical cancer screenings. 
defunding Planned Parenthood would leave many women in my state, the Granite State, and throughout the country without access to care, plain and simple. And, you know, whenever somebody says to you, don't worry, we just want somebody other than Planned Parenthood to do this critical work, there just aren't enough other providers to absorb all of the patients that Planned Parenthood cares for now. I heard that loud and clear from providers in my state in New Hampshire when um, a group of Republicans worked to defund Planned Parenthood after those videos. It was other providers came to us and said, we don't have the capacity to provide this care to this population. Um, So it's really important to remind lawmakers of that when you're on the ground talking about the dangers of this bill. The lawmakers who wrote the Senate version of Trump Care tried to cover their intentions by not calling out Planned Parenthood in the bill by name. But as this Congressional Budget Office confirmed in the House Trump Care bill, Planned Parenthood is the singular target of the defunding provisions. Republicans are trying to keep this provision quiet because they know that the American people oppose their efforts to defund Planned Parenthood. In fact, a recent poll even showed that the majority of voters in 13 Republican-held districts oppose defunding Planned Parenthood. It is really clear that defunding Planned Parenthood would have a devastating impact for women in New Hampshire and across our country. And there are many other additional provisions in Trump Care which would roll back women's access to critical health services, which I know my colleagues are going to highlight, too, in this call. So I encourage everyone on this call to do everything you can. I'm going to do everything in my power to stop Trump Care from ever becoming law, but I really need your help. You need to continue in the coming days to fight against this bill. It's critical that you call the elected officials in your state particularly if you live in places like Maine, West Virginia, Alaska, or Nevada. Stay active, post on social media, share your stories to make clear how Trump care would impact you. Um, Look, the clock is ticking. We have to do everything we can before this bill goes up for a vote. I'm going to leave you with um, the the following story. Um, On Friday afternoon, my senior senator, Jean Shaheen, and I had an emergency field hearing on this Trump Care bill, and over 200 people on a Friday in the summer uh, showed up at our emergency hearing on a day's notice. Over 50 of them told their personal stories. Um, before that hearing began, I met a young woman outside of the hearing who was pregnant. Um, she is at a recovery Um, home that is particularly focused on pregnant and parenting women who have substance use disorder. And I looked at her, I said, when are you due? And she said, I'm actually overdue right now. Um, And I said, is this your first child? And she said, no, this is my third. And it is because of Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act that I finally got treatment for my substance use disorder. And she said for the first time, I realize now, because I've had treatment, that I can be healthy and I can be a healthy mother to my two children and this new baby that's coming any day now. Well, I got word just a couple hours ago that the new baby arrived over the weekend to a healthy mother who is in recovery from her substance use disorder because of the Affordable Care Act, because she had access to health care when she needed it. And because of that, she and her children have a shot at a future and a shot at 
grabbing onto the possibilities that our country offers. That's what it means to be healthy. My grandmother used to say, if you have your health, you have everything. And she was right. Um, so everything you do over the next few days really is about that. It's about standing up for our values as Americans. It's about standing up for the principle that women count too, and that we're Americans too, and that we have the capacity and the character to make our own health care decisions. So with that, I thank you for having me on the call. I thank you guys for everything you are doing, and keep at it. We have a real shot at winning this battle. Thanks so much. And Elise, again, thank you for your leadership, everything you do to make NARAL the organization it is, and everything you do uh, to stand up for women as full and equal citizens. Thanks. Thank you, Senator Hassan. Wow, I'm just so inspired to work alongside and, and with these incredible leaders. And, you know, I think Senator Hassan really got at the heart of the matter, which is that healthcare should be designed to empower people to work for the least among us and to keep families together. And instead, as she pointed out, what this bill does is exactly the opposite. It ignores those who need the most. It actually will end up um, separating parents from, from their children and bringing less healthy, less healthy children into the world. And, um, you know, lest you believe that uh, our anti-choice opposition ever rests, in fact, they've found ways in the Senate health care bill to not only um, restrict coverage for health care to women and children, but at the same time seek to expand ways to further restrict access to abortion care, even through private insurance. So um, no stone is left unturned in their pursuit to limit, limit women's choices on one end or the other. But never fear, because for our last senator on the call, we have the unabashed, incomparable reproductive rights champion. Senator Patty Murray knows better than anyone what it means to fight on the front lines, to empower women, to give us the tools and the resources and the opportunity to make our own choices and raise healthy families in this country. And she is unstoppable. She has been rallying the troops. I sat in a meeting with her in the Senate on Capitol Hill where she addressed 60 organizational leaders and she urged us to do just what we're doing tonight, which is call out the forces, make sure that everyone knows what an instrumental and integral part you are to the solution when we all come together and make our voices heard. Without further ado, um, I want to introduce not just the great senator from the state of Washington, um, but part of our Democratic leadership team, Senator Patty Murray. Oh, Elise, thank you so much, and a big hello, and thank you to all of our NARAL members who are on this call, including everyone from NARAL, Washington, my home state. You are just incredible. Now, I know you just heard from some great speakers, my good friends, Catherine and Maggie, um, what is in the Senate Trump Care Plan, so I won't get into all the details, but I do want to echo a few points and make very clear what is at stake this week, because to put it bluntly, this is truly a pivotal moment for women's health care and rights, and I mean, I have to say, I've never seen a more damaging backwards bill for women in all of my time in the Senate that hits across so many fronts. And as you know, CBO confirmed today, any way you slice it, 
Trump care is going to be an absolute disaster for families in the in the country. Country, twenty two million people uninsured, increased costs for patients, and as I think you all know, over the last couple of months, a group of thirteen male Senate Republicans have been drafting this disastrous bill in secret, and it wasn't until late last week that. Democrats haven't seen it, women haven't seen it, families haven't seen it, and even most of the Senate Republicans haven't seen it. Everyone was shut out of the process and kept in the dark. And what we have had before us is still tonight even being called a discussion draft, even after they had another actually see the final bill before it comes up for a vote. But to, to me, it's very clear they are just ashamed, and it's pretty easy to see why. Just like the House version of Trump Care, this bill is going to raise your family's costs. It's going to completely undermine protections for people with pre-existing conditions. It's going to gut Medicaid, in fact, with even deeper and more severe cuts than the House version. It's going to throw millions of people off coverage, and it is especially devastating for women. Taking away patients access to critical health services and parenthood. It's going to force women to pay up to $1,000 more a month for maternity care. Uh, this is going to have skyrocketing premiums for senior women, and it's going to kick millions off their Medicaid coverage. And this narrow knows full well, this bill will upend women's ability to simply plan their own lives and to choose if, when, and how to raise a family by banning abortion coverage in all plans, all plans offered in our state ex exchanges. So to me, this, this whole effort is just shameful. But the bottom line is still all the progress we've made on women's health and rights over the last decade. And here's the thing. This bill could be on the Senate floor as soon as tomorrow, Wednesday, or Thursday. In fact, I am hearing tonight that House Republicans are quietly beginning steps to clear their schedules so they can pass it at the end of this week if the Senate passes it, and it would go straight to the President. So that's why I'm telling every woman and everyone who cares about access to health care, now, right now, is the time to fight back. Senator Sussman, Senator Cortez Masto, and I are going to do everything we can to stop this bill. But i got to tell you, what's truly going to make the difference here, what truly is going to flip a Republican senator's vote, is if members, those senators, hear directly from all of you. So if you called your elected officials already, call them again. If you know someone or have a family member in Alaska, in Maine, Nevada, Nevada, Ohio, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Louisiana, make sure they're getting on the phone and calling their senators. Share your stories on Facebook, on Twitter, on email. If you live in or are close here to D.C., consider coming to the Capitol and participating in a rally. There's a number of them set over the next couple of days. If you don't live close by to D.C., visit your own local senator's state offices. Trust me, everything is going to count over the next several days. Those 13 men who are cutting backroom deals about your health care access and your reproductive rights clearly didn't want to hear you. 
This is the moment we're all thinking about and talking about when we march back in January. Now is the time to step up, make your voice heard, and do everything you can to defeat this bill. And I just got to tell you, I am so glad Nero's in this fight, and I want you to know, Elise, and all of the members, that I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Senator Murray. Well, I don't know about you guys, but um, it's hard not to be fired up. I hope before we move on into the next section that you heard a few things loud and clear. I don't think you need convincing um, about how dangerous this bill is for women and families, and I hope you heard how important it is from the senator's mouths that we actually take action. Um, it's easy to feel like you're so small that what's your one call going to do? But I can tell you we are tracking all the NARAL member, members' calls, and together you guys are creating a deafening chorus, and it has to be paid attention to. And, you know, I hope the other thing that you heard is it's not over till it's over. So it is great when we're hearing things that, like, Senator Heller is maybe a no on the bill, but there's a lot of backroom negotiations going on. So don't think you called once. That's enough. It's not over till it's over. We need the calls to keep pouring in to every state where senators are movable on this. Now, finally, before we go to questions and answers, and I hope you're thinking of some good ones, um, I want to introduce someone who is really special to this organization. Like all of you, um, Vivian Leal is a NARAL member. She comes from Nevada. And following the 2016 elections and the way that they played out and the very real consequences for people in her family and around her, Vivian made the commitment to spend her time giving voice to her most critical principles, feminist, humanitarian, progressive principles, and do everything possible so that she could work to hear those principles and values reflected in Nevada law and in the larger state and national dialogue. Previously, um, Vivian had mostly related to NARAL as a, as a supporter and a donor, and we certainly thank her and all of you who do that. And we're also thrilled when you do what Vivian did, which is take the next step. And for the last six months, Vivian's been writing letters and articles, marching, speaking, calling. She's been testifying. She's made appointments with legislators, and um, she's been really inhabiting her inner self as an organizer, mobilizing her community members and her neighbors who have previously been silent. So I really wanted you to hear from Vivian's mouth as a NARAL member, um, her experience of what that organizing feels like and looks like and the difference that it's making. But um, before I hand it over, Vivian, I just want to tell you as the president of NARAL, you are the reason I get up and am excited about doing what I do every day, and that goes for every single person on this call. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Elise, uh, and, and thank you, Senators Hassan and Murray, and, and especially my senator, Catherine Cortez-Masto, that I'm so proud to have. All of you, uh, all four of you, lead with such compassion and reason. Um, I flew in last night, like Elise was saying, I'm doing everything I can from the West Coast to D.C., where I am today, hoping to meet with my senators tomorrow, uh, of course, um, Senator Cortez Masto, but especially Senator Heller, to make sure that he stays the course on his decision to vote no on this bill. Um, this bill clearly has no compassion. It is a cruel bill. Um, and I think all the stories of, of how it will affect everyone who's vulnerable um, 
are, are still not enough uh, to get them to see uh, what they need to be doing morally. Um, my story is, is a little different, and, and it's very uh, female-specific in this way. Um, until 1999, I was perfectly healthy, paying insurance all my life, when suddenly at 34 with young kids, I had MS. I was now uh, part of the uninsured, this was before ACA, when already too many of us, for other reasons that we know all too well, were not able to get our own, in our own name, our health care coverage. It was often through our spouses. So now I really became doubly medically hostage. I, I needed to stay part of um, my husband's care group. Uh, a hostage, a medical hostage, if you will, shielding myself under that plan, always preferencing those goals so that we would not lose what we'd worked on for two decades for our family, for our kids' college savings. Um, COBRA and interruption of coverage were words that we feared as much as I fought for my own physical health. So COBRA and interruption of coverage were right there along with relapse as words that would um, strike fear in us. The ACA, it ransomed our family in a way so that we could pursue other opportunities and contribute without that hanging over losing our lifetime um, years of productivity, my mobility, my health. Um, so in that way, part of the reason I'm working so hard now is because I'm a poster child for how we can sustain our health with good care. I've been able to kind of wing it along the way, but the costs are too high. Um, this bill is not the answer. It doesn't remediate the cost. It only takes us backwards to a government based on illness and loss. So I am going to be at this volunteering for however long it takes. Um, sometimes I feel frustrated and I feel tired, and, of course, with MS, it's not easy but uh, women, for all the reasons that the senators discussed, we, we cannot afford to be tired or, or detached. It's an endurance challenge, but I think um, endurance is something that women, we, we're good at that. So I'm just encouraging you all to take breaks when you need to, but particularly this week, stay at it. Keep calling, keep showing up, and, and thank you all. Wow, Vivian, that was amazing. Thank you so much. You're a real inspiration to all of us. Um, and thank you for sharing your story. Um, next up, we're going to take your questions about the GOP plan. I know some folks submitted um, questions when they RSVP'd for the call, um, and some folks have uh, submitted questions um, since we've been on the call. So press star three to submit a question. Um, answering your questions is going to be our Vice President of Policy, Donna Crane. Donna, take it away. Hey, Anne. Hi, everybody. Good evening. It's uh, just fantastic to spend time with all of our activists on the phone tonight. Thank you so much for calling in and for caring about this issue, which could be one of the most important issues in a whole generation for women's health. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking with a bunch of you and answering some of your questions if we can. Uh, the one thing I wanted uh, to say to sort of kick us off is just to briefly describe the legislative situation. You heard from three of our best champions in the Senate. These women and their colleagues are going to be on the floor every day, late into the night, fighting against this attempt to pass Trump care, um, and we're going to cheer them on. The circumstances are these. Mitch McConnell needs 50 votes 
from Republicans to pass this bill because then Vice President Pence can come in and cast the 51st bill, the 51st vote. He needs 50 votes. McConnell has 52 Republicans in the Senate. Every Democrat is announced to be opposed to this bill. So that means McConnell, if we can peel off three Republicans in the Senate, then we win. Then McConnell cannot get the 50 votes that he needs. So I hope that's a helpful backdrop as we go into the Q&A. And now I'm looking forward to talking with a bunch of you. Uh, So why don't we kick it off here with Jolene, who has a question about Republican women. Jolene. Hi there. Can, hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi. So um, I, I live in St. Louis, and um, my uh, two senators are pretty firm, one in uh, support, I think, of the Trump care and one opposed. So I'm wondering, um, is there anything that uh, somebody in a state um, like mine can do to help influence somebody like a Susan Collins in Alaska. I know that uh, people are wanting to hear from their own constituents, so um, I'm just wondering how we can move people who are in the middle and not firm on their vote uh, against, against Trump care. Great. Thanks so much for the question. Um, the single best way to influence senators in this debate is for senators to hear from their home state constituents. It is not actually that effective for them to hear from people outside the state. So if you have already taken care of calling senators from your state, what you should do is find friends or family members who live in those targeted states that we heard about from senators. So the senators who are, we think, are best targets in this fight are... Ooh, that background is so hard when she's... You hear her, uh, the like, the feedback or whatever, so we'll see if we can get past that. Uh, senator Heller from Nevada, the other senator from Nevada, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, and Rob Portman from Ohio. These are the senators who have either already expressed doubts or who we think we might be able to persuade to vote no. So anyone on the call from those states, you are the stars. Uh, Make them a priority. Call them every day. If you come from a state that's not one of those, um, you have to play a little bit of a bank shot here and think about your friends and your family members who live in those states and call them up and tell them that they, their senator could make the difference between this bill passing and becoming law and our saving the health care that we have now. Thank you for the question. That's a great one. All right. Uh, Let's talk to Nancy. Nancy, you have a question. You are from Virginia. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Um, You just answered my question because um, I, from Virginia, I've contacted my Democratic senators who are opposed to the bill, but I wanted to spread my power nationally and see what I could do nationally. Um, instead of just calling them all the time. Thank you so much. I'm glad we answered your question. Here's one other idea. This may or may not work for you personally, but for others who have the same question, and we're getting this question a lot. Um, If you have a story, if there's a reason that you care about this fight, um, and you feel comfortable telling your story, you can put it out into the public debate. Some of the most compelling um, stories about how senators are starting to wobble on this vote is that they're hearing 
stories from constituents or they hear stories from other states. So um, think about whether there's a reason you care a lot about this issue and whether that's something you'd be willing to tell publicly. You can put it out publicly if you're on social media or just it, however, whatever form you like. Uh, you can also share it with your senator, and your senator can use it in talking to his or her other colleagues. So they use these stories during debate on the floor. They use these, these stories as they're lobbying um, against these target senators that we talked about. Uh, that's one other thing that you could do. So uh, thank you. Keep it up. Uh, appreciate the question, and um, hope that's helpful. And, okay, uh, how about the, we have an interesting situation from Carol in Ohio uh, who uh, wants to talk a little bit about Senator Portman. Carol, you're up. Okay, thanks. It really relates to the pace of the negotiations and the amendments that are probably inevitable. And it's been rumored here in Ohio that Portman will be able to get relief on the opioid addict uh, treatment, and these changes are going to come so quickly. How do we respond? And I, I think the answer is we make more phone calls and say, hey, the bill got a little bit better, but it's a terrible, te terrible bill still. But, I, you know, how, how do we strategically deal with the pace of these amendments? that are going to be offered to people who are on the fence? Thank you, Carol. That's a great question. Um, what you just described is occupying a lot of my time as a lobbyist at NARAL. Uh, and for, for others' benefit, um, to give a little bit more backstory here, what Carol's describing is a situation uh, that's very real and a, and a significant threat. Um, so McConnell knows that he has, he doesn't quite have the votes he needs yet, but he's very close. So what's happening um, this week, as we heard our senators discuss, uh, is that he's, he's uh, making a lot of backroom deals, and there are all kinds of rumors about the, what he might be horse trading in order to get the 50 senators that he needs from his caucus. So in particular, Carol was talking about a rumor, uh, because the opioid crisis is significant in Ohio, and uh, kicking a whole bunch of people off of their health care in the middle of this is a terrible idea, and, and it's also bad politics for him. Uh, there's a rumor that McConnell might be offering up special funds for senators from very specific states in order to get their votes on this bill, and they could use those funds for one designated thing in, as a way of sort of offering a fig leaf to, to these senators so they will vote with him. Uh, what I would say for Carol and for uh, people like Carol is that you all don't have to worry about keeping up with those changes, that you're absolutely right, that the most important thing that you can do, and, and really the whole key lies with you, is keeping up the pressure that this whole bill is unacceptable. Um, the, the little machinations won't work if the overwhelming uh, number of calls and number of contacts from the field is coming in in opposition. I saw a tweet from Brian Schatz from, uh, from uh, Hawaii earlier today, and he says that he's gotten fewer than 10 calls in support of Trump Care Bill and nearly 1,000 against. So there's, Senator Corman wouldn't have anywhere to hide if we can keep numbers like that going into his office. So it's, this, it's all about public participation, uh, keep up that pressure, and then McConnell won't be able to sell anything that's enough for somebody like a Portman to have to turn around and then answer to the public for his vote. So thanks for the question. Uh, thank you for caring and keep up the pressure. All right. 
Let's take a call from Florida. Nancy in Florida. What's going on with you and Senator Nelson and Senator Rubio? Well, Senator Rubio, when I call to, I, one, he never has where you can leave a message. Then people complain, so now he's turned on the machine where you can leave a message. If I email him, I'm going. I'm thinking about that, and I will get back with you. How do you actually get this guy? I mean, I know where he gets his money to get elected, so I know he's not going to vote against his own agenda. So how do I change people like that? Senator Nelson, they take messages. So, I mean, how do I get somebody? How do I get him to reply? Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate the question. So uh, this is a, this is one that we hear commonly, that you can't actually get one of your senators uh, on the phone at all. Um, uh, I have a couple of practical suggestions. Um, one of them is to find a number that's not the main capital number. Um, senators usually have several offices around the states that have their own phone numbers, and those numbers usually get a little bit less traffic. So you could try those, and those will be posted on his website. But if for some reason you can't, can't exactly navigate where to get that information, of course be in touch with NARAL, and we can help connect you to those extra numbers. Um, I will say that it's incredibly heartening uh, when our lobbying team is up on Capitol Hill this week, um, we, are, we sit in the lobbies of, of senators' offices as we get ready to go in for our appointments, and the calls are coming in absolutely nonstop. So keep it up. We're not in the Rubio office, of course, but keep it up. Um, they're definitely feeling the pressure. So try some of the other numbers that could work. Um, something else you can do uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a presence on social media, if you're on Facebook or if you tweet on Twitter, um, you can send them messages that way, and that is a thing they cannot ignore. They may choose not to respond to you because they don't agree with your position, but that is something they cannot ignore. And uh, something else that does is encourages other people like you who may have been a little bit hesitant to reach out to Senator Rubio to wait to chime in as well. You'd be amazed at how many other people will say, yeah, me too, me three, me four. Um, and so that has a good extra effect too. Um, again, can't emphasize enough, this is very much a fight that's going to be won or lost um, based on constituent inputs. That means you all. Uh, I do want to pause for a second on phone calls here. We got uh, a few questions that came in before the call started from people who didn't want to do it live but wanted to send us their questions. So I'll take one of those here. Um, this is from Karen in Florida. And Karen's question is, if they stop the maternity and birth control option on health care plans, how will this spill over to existing employee paid plans? And this is an incredibly important question, and it's really important for people to know. The changes that they are discussing as they're trying to dismantle the Affordable Care Act are not just limited to certain health plans. These changes will affect all, potentially all health plans, including even the health insurance I get at NARAL. So uh, briefly, I will tell you in response to your specific questions, any plan nationwide, if this Trump care bill becomes law, any health plan could simply drop maternity coverage. Right now, under the Affordable Care Act, they have to, they have to cover maternity care, but this, it would now become optional. So any plan could drop it. And then separately, not as part of this piece of legislation, but separately, the Trump administration is already making plans to gut the birth control benefit, to let any boss cut it from their employees' coverage just because they want to. So I would point out here uh, that this is 
you know, incredible example of the hypocrisy we see from people uh, in office who describe themselves as pro-life. You think that pro-life people would care about maternity coverage and about contraception because that, of course, prevents unintended pregnancies, prevents the need for abortion. Uh, so that is, this is not the first time we've seen this. This is not the last time we'll see it. But it does bear pointing out this is the quality of the folks that are trying to make this new law. All right, let's see. Why don't we talk to someone else from Nevada? So Senator Heller is such a critical uh, vote on this issue. Let's talk to Christine from Nevada. Hi, Christine. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, my question was, I, I call Senator Heller every single day, not just in Washington, but I call him here in Las Vegas, frankly because he wasn't answering the phone in Washington, uh, and I usually get somebody to answer in Nevada. What I also do is I call before the office is open, and that way I get to leave a message no matter what, um, so then they have to listen to it. But my question really is, I'm getting kind of uh, annoyed people. You know, they, they know I'm going to call every day, and I've only been calling once a day, and I've, I've heard call them, call them, call them again and again. And I just wonder how can I get through to them when they hear me on the phone and they're ready to hang up on me. So, um, oh, thanks for the question. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I think we've got the gist of it, that you're calling repeatedly as everyone's urging you to. Thank you. You're a hero for doing that. Um, and that the staff is, is starting to become rude to you. Uh, that is not okay. Uh, definitely call once a day. I wouldn't recommend calling more than once a day, uh, but call once a day for sure. Um, what I will tell you from, uh, I have worked on the Hill, all of our lobbying team has worked on the Hill. These staff have got to tally your calls. So I'm really sorry they're being rude to you. That's simply not acceptable and of course something you should keep in mind when you're look, thinking about who to vote for next time. Um, but they definitely are tallying your calls. Every office does some form of that. Um, and so I'm really sorry. You've only got a few more days to go before we can hopefully beat this bill back. Um, please do keep calling every day. If you want to get a little bit creative, as long as you're calling from the state, you can use different phone numbers. Uh, I think as long as you're honestly a constituent from the state, that's something that's okay to recommend. Um, if you have family members, friends who are in your same household or at your office or somewhere nearby, they can make those calls as well so that it's not just you and only you calling from the same phone every day. But it's perfectly legitimate for you to call every day. Please keep it up. I'm so sorry um, that they're being rude to you. That is, that is just not professional behavior. Uh, we'll take one last call, and then we'll be done with Q&A, and I think we should talk to Lee from New Mexico. Lee, you're on. Hello. Hi, Lee. Hi. Um, my, question, my question was, um, first of all, what is the name of the senator from West Virginia? The Republican whom we need to persuade is named Shelley Moore Capito, C-A-P-I-T-O. And she is one of the ones who is very much undecided. She's one of the ones who could be a hero here. I-T-O. Okay. That's good information because my brother lives there. Um, I'm planning to call relatives that I have in West Virginia, Nevada, and Indiana. Um, that's where I'm from originally, and that person who was governor and now is our 
<clears throat> Vice President has made me ashamed to be a Hoosier. Um, let's see. Um, we have Senator Capito from West Virginia, Senator Heller from Nevada. Um, who's the uh, Senator, Senate Republican from Indiana right now? Yep. Thank you for your know. <laughs> I'll go through the list one last time, and then we'll wrap up the call. So I mentioned uh, Senator Capito from West Virginia. Uh, it's Senator Flake from Arizona, Collins from Maine, Murkowski from Alaska, Heller from Nevada, Portman from Ohio. If you know anyone who lives there, I, in fact, just I do this for a living, and it didn't even occur to me. I actually know somebody who lives in Alaska, and I didn't even think to reach out to them until just last night, and I just did it. So if you know somebody there, uh, they can really turn the tide for us. Okay, well, that's just a great set of questions you all had. I hope that's been helpful, and let's go ahead and wrap it up and turn it back to my colleague, Ann Bailey. Thanks so much, Donna. Um, thank you all for your participation. Um, I'm going to give one minute of things that you can do um, immediately to help. Uh, I know many of you have made generous donations to NARAL in the past. Um, we need your help to stop the GOP health care plan. Um, we've been up with ads in targeted states, and we've been patching through members um, from across the country to their senators. So if you're able to make an additional gift, please press star six. There you go, everybody. We listened to the whole call. Good for us. Do we understand what's happening? Yes. Uh, talk to your senator right now. Call them. Do not delay. Especially if you're in one of those states. Again, California is kind of like, eh, you know, you don't worry too much. Everything's pretty okay in California. So I guess um, Latoya, the sheriff of truth, is not going to be truthing with us today. Sad face. I'm very, very sad about that. I miss her so deeply. Uh, hey, everybody, please make a donation to Mutiny Radio so that I can pay myself for last month. Wouldn't that be exciting? Uh, exciting stuff to otherwise uh, outside of that. I'm performing tonight at the Cozy Car on Post and, excuse me, on Polk and Sacramento. That's going to be a lot of fun. Can I get some comedy on? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's a good day. I'm sorry, you guys. This is like the worst AltaCast ever because A, I don't have a co-host and B, I am just out of it. You know what's going to be great, though, is some call me Tim up at 2 o'clock. I'll be interviewing J.D. Buell and trying not to cry. It's going to be an interesting uh, some call me Tim. He's like has stage 4 colon cancer and is coming to the end and I'm interested to see what he believes in. Very, very interested. Uh, so that was the gnarl news. Everybody, get out there, talk to your senators, and tell them that you want health, that people, that women, well, everyone deserves access to health care, but specifically gutting, you know, female reproductive care from the bill is really sad and should make us all very angry. Uh, let's see what else is happening in the world. I'm, I'm just so bummed that... Uh, my buddy LaToya isn't here because it's hard to do things and not have someone to bounce it off of. Thank goodness for that really nice long call. Uh, this is another stupid thing. Donald Trump Jr. accuses CNN of blackmail. 
president's son speculates the network may have blackmailed the Reddit user who created a video Trump tweeted on Sunday by threatening to publish his identity. Oh my gosh. It's just so... Uh, silly. Not silly. It's terrible stuff. NPR tweet prompts Trump opponents into talk of revolution. Whoa. This is from Newsweek. This is interesting. Uh, Declaration of Independence NPR tweets prompt Trump opponents into talk of revolution. National Public Radio was just following tradition when it started tweeting the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. But little did the station know it was stirring up revolutionary sentiment. On the first Independence Day of the Donald Trump presidency, the Declaration's fiery language of revolt against tyranny inflamed the spirit of those who see Trump as a worrying autocrat. Who, who see in Trump a worrying autocrat. For the past 29 years, NPR has read out the historic document that formally announced the sovereignty of the United States of America in 1776, breaking away from the colonial control of the British Empire, ruled by King George III. In a special morning edition program, NPR also tweeted the document's text in a string of more than 100 treats. Line by line, the text appeared to reference more than once the current political climate in the country. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. The 241-year-old Declaration of Independence read at one point the most retweeted line of the NPR thread. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Oh my, who does this sound like? One social media user replied. Others tagged Trump's account at real Donald Trump in the tweet. Does this not sound like someone we know at real Donald Trump? One uh, said one reply. Another of the more popular lines called for an outright uprising against tyrannical power. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. Some were ready to take the Declaration of Independence to the letter. This lays the groundwork for the political coup on Trump. It's the right of the people to establish a new government if necessary. It's necessary, one person wrote in response to the tweet. One Trump supporter did not take the suggestion lightly, so NPR is calling for so NPR is calling for revolution. Interesting way to condone the violence while trying to sound patriotic. Your implications are clear, he wrote. Uh, wow. After being alerted to the misunderstanding, he apologized for the tweet. Okay, okay, I screwed up with NPR. I just jumped the gun and tweeted when I should have waited for them to finish. I offer my apologies, he wrote, referring to his tweet as very dumb. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it to institute new government. And this guy writes, NPR. So NPR is calling for revolution. Interesting way to condone the violence while trying to sound patriotic. But then he said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but when the 68 million people who didn't vote for him rise up, you're going to have a hissy fit. Another social media user responded, highlighting the polarization between the supporters and detractors of the president, whose popularity ratings have plummeted to 37%. Wow. Plummeting. His ratings are plummeting. 
like the apprentice like martha stewart the apprentice her, her uh, what's it called her ratings they plummeted i actually was supposed to, I, I should have been on martha stewart's apprentice um and when i was going for the second time the second year or whatever they said well if it gets picked up you're definitely on it but it's probably not going to do you want to be on donald trump's the apprentice and i was like no fuck that guy totally have no interest and this is in like i don't know 2005 maybe 2004 no interest buddy not into you and uh it makes me it makes me sad uh cnn oh jd's here cool uh cnn had identified reddit reddit or suddenly sorry for originating donald trump's network bashing blah 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 uh, I don't even it's, it, the news is just so dumb at this point uh, but I am into that I'm into that NPR thing uh, tweeting the entire tweeting the entire declaration of independence I, I mean I don't even remember how it how it how it starts uh, was that when in the course of human events which one which which one of those that I don't remember that I was supposed to uh, memorize as a child uh, Declaration of Independence, full text. It is, it is the when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. Oof, I hate that word entitled. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Oof. Uh, I was supposed to memorize this as a child, and I remember being in junior high, but it went in the course of human events. It becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume the powers of the earth, a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. And a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires should declare the causes which impel the separation. Well, I'm ready to make a separation because uh, now that they're trying to gut the Medicaid program so that all the things I care about are, aren't important. I, I honestly think that the reason that they don't have a problem with the opioid crisis is they just want to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> they're like, let those heroin addicts die. Fuck those guys. They're terrible people. Uh, which is, you know, completely untrue. It's disease. And uh, we should be dealing with harm reduction. But just let the opiate gut people die, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal except for black people and women. And they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuits of happiness. Right. See, now that goes right up against that whole abortion thing. Pur- pursuit of happiness? You know, don't make people have babies if they don't want them. If they, it, maybe it's not in their pursuit of happiness. They don't want to pursue, you know, a family like that because they don't have the money or the time or the whatever. Pursuit of happiness? Uh, some people want to have babies, some people don't. So don't ruin my pursuit of happiness. Uh, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So we're giving them our consent, but not right now. I do not. I do not consent to to your new uh, what you're doing to the healthcare system. I do not accept it. 
And what, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such a form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Uh, this is crazy. But obviously, women aren't people. Because, of course, we're talking about the framers of um, the people who wrote this back then, and they were all men. So if we look at if we're constitutionalists or we go back and we think about their actual thoughts and what they thought about it, they didn't think women were people. So, great. You know what? Just keep... Just... Look, they, as likely to affect their safety and happiness. Wouldn't wouldn't this new uh, gutting the Affordable Care Act and gutting Medicaid, isn't that going to mess with people's safety and happiness? I mean, seriously. Does, has anyone in government right now read this? This is crazy to me. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable while evils are sufferable but, ooh, excuse me, to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism it is their right it is their duty to throw off such a government and to provide new guards for their future security such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such now is the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government the history of the present king of great britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. Oh my God, oh my God, this is, he's just, he's the new tyrannical king. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. Well, he doesn't, he wouldn't even show us his taxes. He doesn't assent to any laws. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance. Oh, like the healthcare bill stuff. Unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be attained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people. Unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature. A right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. This sounds like... Um, ice coming in and taking all the uh, illegal immigrants out. He has called together legislative bodies at un places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. <coughs> Everybody go to Mar-a-Lago, Mar right? He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. Well, he's put his own people in power. He has referred for a long time after such dissolution to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to with all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. Oof, I don't, this is hard language. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states 
for that purpose, obstructing the laws of naturalization for foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the condition of new appropriations of land. That sounds like ice stuff. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. Oh my God, he's electing people to the Supreme Court quickly, isn't he? He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amounts and payments of their salaries. Wow. Well, I mean, he does have, uh, I mean, he's put all of his people in, in the places in the government. So, and he asked Homie to be his Comey or Comey to be his homie. But Comey said, no, man, I ain't going to swear fealty to you, bro. And then he fired him. He has erected multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving for his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any of these murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example fit uh, fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule in these colonies oh it just keeps going on and on uh, blah 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 we therefore the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assemble appeal to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the british crown and that all political connection between them and the great state of the state of great britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that free and independent states they have full power to levy war conclude peace contract alliances establish commerce and do all acts and things which the independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Pledging your fortunes? Oh boy, sounds like socialism to me. Okay, well... Hey, everybody, there's the Declaration of Independence, and it sounds like it's time for us to uh, jump up, everybody, and say that we won't, we won't take it anymore. Uh, yeah, just can't take it anymore. I, I don't know how much more of this AltaCast I can take, you guys, because it is so hard to do this without a co-host. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. I, and now I know that it's not pronounced gnarl, it's naral. I, I was listening to their call and I'm like, oh, they say it differently than I do. Good for them. Uh, let's see what else is in the bad current news. I put 
bad current. World news, latest breaking current news from around the world. Uh, here we go. Do, do, do. Let's. They, well, I'll just read you guys the top things. This is from over the world. So first we've got French Open champ Ostapenko in Wimbledon third something. Uh, Italy passes law making torture a crime. Critics say it's full of holes. East Libya forces say they've taken up full control of Benghazi. Oh my goodness. Pope John Paul II's longtime spokesman dies at age 80. At least 26 reported dead in clash of Mexican gangs. Hamas's new top leader delivers speech in Gaza City. <coughs> no, this is crazy. Um, let's look at this 26 people. Um, that have been the, at least 26 reported dead in clash of Mexican gangs in Mexico City. This is crazy. Authorities say at least 26 people have been killed in a clash of armed groups in northern Mexico. Chihuahua State Prosecutor's spokesman Felix Gonzalez says members of the La Línea gang and a faction of the Sinaloa cartel were involved in the incident. Gonzalez tells Mileno Television that the gunfight occurred early Wednesday morning in the town of Las Varas, about 185 miles northwest of the state capital. He says investigators were still at the remote scene. Mexico is experiencing the highest murder total in at least 20 years as splintered drug cartels battle for territory. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, that's really, it's actually kind of refreshing to look at world news and see that um, there's nothing about us. But this is great. On the most popular, it says, why they hate Trump so much. Uh, the CNN found the creator of the Trump WWE tweet and then issued a veiled threat against him. Uh, and CNN blackmail Jeff Zucker issued a thinly veiled threat at Trump before inauguration. Uh, that's, that's crazy stuff. Uh... Let's let's see. I mean, I know why I hate him so much, but why do they why they hate Trump so much? This is by Lawrence Myers. Uh, one of the reasons the leftists are so angry at President Trump isn't so much because he won, even though leftists are incapable of being gracious losers. It's that they were told the second coming of Typhoid Mary would occur, and like all children, are mad that Papa CNN and Mama MSNBC were wrong. See what I did there? They, are, they aren't angry that CNN and MSNBC and the entire Democrat media complex lied to them, but they were wrong, which is, of course, how they're still able to hold their parental media betters in high regard, even as CNN implodes. This is interesting because this guy's on the other side. Uh, every day since the election, then, leftists have tried everything under the sun to delegitimize a duly elected president. He didn't, win the pre he didn't win the popular vote, not my president. Find faithful electors, impeach him. More than 50 classless Democrats boycotted the inauguration. And of course, the Russian hacking claims. I mean, this guy's an idiot. Uh, he should be impeached because he's done illegal things. Uh, I just... It's... I, I just... Maybe if he'd, maybe if he'd just uh, stopped tweeting like a 12-year-old child... Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of this because this guy's opinion is for shit. 
yeah, why we hate him so much? Because he's taking away our rights. Why do I hate Trump so much? Because he doesn't care about uh, harm reduction in drug policy, and he doesn't care about women. We already know he doesn't care about women. He doesn't see us as people. Therefore, just completely defund Planned Parenthood and make, make abortions wrong. What is wrong with you? Why do you want to enslave women? Why do you want us not to have any choice over our own lives, body, happiness, health, and safety? Ugh! Ugh! God! He's such an awful person. <laughs> when all, I mean, all the Republicans are right now. Why... Why are, you know, women not valued? Sucks. Uh, the GOP's latest health care ba- plan is comically bad. House Republicans are apparently ready for yet another attempt to snatch health insurance away from constituents who need it. Someone should remind Speaker Paul Ryan of saying, often attributed to his legendary predecessor, Sam Rayburn, Rayburn there's no education in the second kick of the mule. Having failed miserably to win passage of an abomination of a bill, the American Health Care Act, Ryan and his minions are back with something even worse. A draft framework being circulated this week would pretend to keep the parts of Obamacare that people like, but allow states to take these benefits away. See, we see what you're doing here, folks. <laughs> this is getting silly. What part of forget it do Republicans not understand? I realize there's great pressure to follow through on the GOP's promise to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. And I realize that President Trump nearing the 100-day mark solely needs a legislative victory to tweet about. King Pyrus needed a win, too. But that didn't work out too well for him. Republicans don't talk much about the practical reason for moving urgently on health care, which is to stage which is to set a stage for tax reform. They want to take the money now used to subsidize health care for low income Americans and give it to the wealthy in form of big tax cuts. Again, we can see you. I'm sure that the crowds at the GOP town halls will be understanding. Just be sure to check attendees at the door for tar and feathers. The new proposal brokered by Republican Tom MacArthur New Jersey of the moderate Tuesday group and Republican Mark Meadows of the far-right Freedom Caucus is like a parody, as if life-or-death access to health care were fodder for a Saturday Night Live sketch. Nominally, the MacArthur Amendment would retain the essential health benefits standard opposed by the ACA, which requires insurance policies to cover eventualities such as hospitalization, maternity, and emergency care. Basically, the things you'd need ever need health insurance for. <coughs> the amendment would also appear to maintain the ACA's guarantees that anyone could buy health insurance, including those with pre-existing conditions, and that parents could keep adult children on their policies until age 26. That all looks fine, but it's an illusion. After specifying that these popular provisions will stay, the amendment then gives states the right to snatch them away. States would be able to obtain waivers exempting them from the essential health benefits standards. They would also be able to obtain waivers from the pre-existing conditions requirement by creating a high-risk pool to provide coverage to those who are unwell. They would no longer be a prohibition, however, against charging high-risk individuals more, so much more, in fact, that they would potentially be priced out of the market. And we would go back to the pre-ACA situation in which serious illness could mean losing a home or filing for bankruptcy. 
This may satisfy GOP ideological imperatives. Anne Ryan would be so proud, but it's atrocious policy, even if you put aside considerations such as compassion and community. We live at a time of enormic, enormous economic dislocation. The manufacturing sector has, sector has shrunk dramatically, and now retail may be starting down the same path. Long lost jobs in industries such as coal mining are not coming back, no matter what Trump says. Workers need to be able to move to where jobs are being created, which means that health care insurance should ideally be portable. But Republicans are heading in the other direction by trying to set up a system with radically different health care insurance rules in different states. In today's world, how does that make sense? Unchanged from last month's failed bill are provisions that would strip massive amounts of money out of Medicaid, by far the nation's biggest source payment for nursing home care. So Republicans right now might not want to show their faces anywhere near retirement communities. The Affordable Care Act changed the way most people in this country think about health care. It did not, however, change the thinking of many White House Republicans or many Republicans, House Republicans, who continue to believe individuals should be held financially liable for genetic predisposition toward diabetes or random cellular mutation that leads to cancer. Another abject failure to repeal the ACA would be a terrible political outcome for Republicans. But far worse, looking ahead to the 2018 midterms would be Trump to sign this latest monstrosity into law. No kidding. I mean, it's comically bad, but... Uh, that was actually written in April for the Washington Post. And, uh, and that's happening right now. And it's, it's actually happening. And it's terrible. <laughs> oh, I mean, fine. I mean, I have an IED, so. But I'm poor. Like, what happens? What happens if you take away women's health care and I can't afford to get my IUD out? Like, what do I do? What, I mean, what, I can't cost more than 100 bucks, right? I don't know. What are we what are we doing with healthcare? I just can't I just this is all so bad. Uh, news now, bad breaking news. Here let's just keep getting depressed. This is off the bad news current affairs thing. Um, NYPD officer assassinated. Oh my gosh, police officer. Uh, it's a lot of stuff from uh, from the UK. Let's check it out. Uh Chicago saw more than 100 shootings over the holiday weekend. 100 wounded, 14 killed in Chicago over July 4th weekend. Wow. Wow. That's really scary to me. That's more than 100 people were shot in Chicago over the long Independence Day weekend as a deadly wave of violence once again rocked the massive city, besieged by unrelenting gun crime. At least 14 of the gunshot victims died, police said Wednesday. Today, Officer Jose Estrada, spokesman for the police department, said he could not verify but would not dispute reports by the Washington Tribune and other local media that at least 101 people were shot between 3 p.m. Friday and 6 a.m. Wednesday. Estrada said it was hard to describe the weekend as particularly difficult for the police. Uh... It was just a regular old weekend, huh? 
Most violence took place in a six-hour period Monday night and early Tuesday, predominantly on the south and west sides of the city. Detectives are investigating the shootings. The suspect's several incidents were retaliatory in nature, and alcohol was a factor in, the, in others, he said. The vast majority of the 762 murders and more than 4,000 shooting victims in Chicago last year and a few predominantly black and Latino neighborhoods on the city's west and south sides were driven by gang-related uh, feuds and drug wars. The Trump administration announced Friday it was dispatching an additional 20 ATF agents to the city to stem gun violence that has left more than 1,000 dead over the past 18 months. What's going on in Chicago? The Trump administration will not let bloodshed go on. We cannot accept these levels of violence, says Attorney Jeff Sessions. Maybe if we had some better drug policy reform, we wouldn't have any. This past weekend's grim tally comes weeks after Memorial Day weekend, historically one of the most violent times in the city. Five people were killed and 44 wounded in shootings over that holiday weekend, an improvement over last year's seven killed and 61 injured. So uh, this weekend, 14 killed. Wow. And then, and then here we have playing in the background uh, the Crimea River song which <laughs> uh, it's so ironic but it is really sad let's see where some more bad stuff um, uh, police scanner captures moment M -M NYPD police officer was assassinated Oy. this is that's just crazy stuff um Let's we'll, we'll we'll check it out. This is Washington Post again. Uh, breaking bad news: uh, NYPD officer assassinated by who? Uh, New York City police officer was shot and killed on July 5th when she was sitting in a marked command vehicle in the Bronx. Authorities said the NYP called the incident an unprovoked attack. Wow. Uh, I'm trying to make that terrible stuff stop. So, <coughs> um, fortunately, it's a video, but uh, NYPD officer killed an unprovoked attack. What's going on, everybody? Oh, she was a nice black lady. Um, shot and killed today. Super sad. The 12-year NYPD veteran was sitting in a police vehicle when she was shot in the head. Oh, this is our, this is this is awful. And this happened this morning. Oh wow! Wow! You can hear it over the. This is she was taken to a hospital, but she died. Oh. Oh, it's really sad. I can't handle that. People are dying. Da, 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 da. The whole world's gone to shit. But how are you? Do you remember that song? Let's let's um, let's find that, and that'll make us feel happy. All right, we're gonna we're gonna find we're gonna close out with a little bit of hilarious songwriting from Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, this is actually from South Park the movie. I'm super. Thanks for asking. Uh, everything is super when you don't you think I look cute in this hat? Okay. 
All right. Thank you guys for joining me today on the AltaCast. I'm sorry that I was difficult and boring. I promise next time I won't be. Um, Because Latoya will be here and it'll be so much, so much better. Because I have someone to bounce off of. Yay, Al! Big Yay, Al! Big Yay, Al! Big Yay, Well, I do have a little song I wrote about the war. Oh, but we haven't rehearsed. Sing it! Yeah, sing it! Oh, I can't. Sing the fucking song! Well, all right. If you insist, I'll sing my song. I believe it goes a little bit like this. Bombs are flying. People are dying. Children are crying. Politicians are lying, too. Cancer is killing. Texaco's spilling. The whole world's gone to hell, but how are you? I'm super! Thanks for asking. All things considered, I couldn't be better, I must say. I'm feeling super. No, nothing bugs me. Everything is super when you're... Don't you think I look cute in this hat? I'm so sorry, Mr. Cripple, but I just can't feel too bad for you right now because I'm feeling so insanely super that even the fact that you can't walk can't bring me down. Hey, super, thanks for asking. All things considered, he couldn't be better, he must say. I'm super, no nothing bugs me. Everything is super when you're, don't you think I look cute in this hat? These little pants with matching tie that I got at Don't you feel better? Thanks for joining me in the AltaCast. Coming up next, some call me Tim. Special guest, J.D. Buell. For those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion, and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born I say to you I know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact I know it best when I say to you I love you the Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for near five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I used to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Tell me what you think about your situation. 
complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kit Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRCollective.org. We'll see you there. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Four Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me, and oh, I feel so lucky. LSD, fap, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you, that song is called Acid and Fapping. This is Tosher Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Stand every Sunday at 1 p.m. Parking Unidos Unidos at 23rd and Folsom. The Free Farm Stand and All Volunteer Group Project of the No Penny Opera. It's about sharing the wealth of urban farms and gardens. Making, helping making local growth, fresh and nutrients, organic produce accessible to all, especially those in individuals or low incomes or tight budgets. The Free Farm Stand grows food in San Francisco and distributes its it for free. We act as a gathered place and mission to encourage community growth and involvement. This effort resolved 
most around gathering surplus foods from neighborhood gardens, various farmer markets, community gardens, public and private fruit trees, and hosting a space where this bounty can be shared with all. We also work with produce to the people who harvest organic fruits from backyard fruit trees and public spaces and bring it out to our free farm stand. For more information or if you want to help or if you have or know of a fruit tree that needs picking, you can contact Lauren with at Produce to the People at Produce to the People. For those who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion, and love with passion, and our passion. Who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution? Who would rather die than fall in line to conform? Who constantly challenge the norm? Who greet each and every day as if just born? I say to you, I know your greatness, the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact, and in fact, I know it best when I say to you, I love you. The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space, featuring High Time Storytime, every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime, Volume 1, now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. When you hear the trippy music, you know it's time. It's Wednesday, 